This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. G'day, it's Lols here. This next guest is an Australian icon, none other than Megan Gale. So she is a model, a mama bear to two beautiful kids, River and Rosie. On top of that, she's a producer, she's a TV host, she's been a fashion designer, she's now got her own children's skincare range called Mindful Life. And on top of that, she's got Mindful Life Journal, which is like this online health, wellness, kind of like meditation inspiration hub. This human being doesn't stop. And if I could explain Megan Gale in a word, it would just be pure joy. So I hope you enjoy this episode with the joyful Megan Gale. <laughs> I'm so pumped. Because- oh, are you pumped? <laughs> I'm pumped. I'm really pumped. I'm so, okay, go, you go, you go. Okay, I've made a list about you. Okay. Okay, but first of all, we've known each other for a little while. Oh, we'll go to that and see I'm getting too excited. Okay. I knew I would. Yeah, It's same. Megan Gale, P.S., if anyone. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done a bit of research on you, Perth girl. Yep. Bit of a tomboy. Yep. Model, actor, mum to beautiful River and Rosie. Mm-hmm. Fashion designer. Swimwear. For a did spell. S- for yeah. a spell. Yeah. Yep. Part owner of my local cafe. Yes. Well, Sean Moore is. I'm okay. kind of like a piggyback partner. I love that. Those Asahi bowls and pokey bowls. Yeah, yeah. Ascot Food Store, by the way. Yep. Um, TV host and I researched and found out you produced as well. Was that Project Runway? You One got? of, yeah, yeah. Not solo. Not That's so- still, yeah, co-produced. Still yeah. pretty amazing. Held a bit of a hand, but not the whole thing. Ambassador for Mazillion Amazing Humongous Companies. Yes, David Jones, L'Oreal. Lexus, okay, and then oh, we've been got busy, huh? <laughs> May, Mindful Life and Mindful Life Journal. Yep. Which I'm pumped to kind of unpack a little bit of as yep. well, because that's the most recent stuff, yeah. Correct. Okay. Right. So now we can get into the first of all, and I just didn't into the story of this. Do you remember when we first met? Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you want to share? Yes. So I can't remember the exact name of the organic veggie store, but it was in Albert Park. Called Ripe. Right, that's it. Right, right, right. Of course, of course. Um, and back in 2011, which I think you'd already been working there for a little bit, I used to go there with Shawnee and we used to mm. get smoothies and also get um, our produce yeah. and lots of other things. And um, yeah, you used to work behind the counter and make the best smoothies in <laughs> Melbourne. Um, so yeah, we used to go and you're always just heaps of fun to talk to and just Good customer service, which we love. <laughs> so I would have been like 24, 25. You're a baby. Then. You're a little bubby. And over the years, you've always just been like such a sweetie. And then the last time I saw you was probably about a year ago at yoga. We yep. ran into each other out yep. of, outside of yoga. And yep. I was like, I don't know about you, but I get yoga stoned. Yeah. Oh, like, God, yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. I didn't even realize until yeah. like, uh, like it, it's, that's what I love about yoga. Completely, yoga's. just floating. So. Okay, there is so much stuff about you that I'm so excited. Let's do it. To Delve in. Unpack. Well, first of all, my boyfriend is Italian. Oh, 
And so as soon as I told him this, he's like, do you know if you go to Italy and you say walk into a cafe and they're like, where are you from? And you say Australia. They're like, do you know a Megan gal? Like, I don't believe away. that that happens. He says but it so absolutely many, happens. So many people tell me that. But I've just said, really? Apparently Even they still? Yes. That's yes. That's crazy. And that's coming from like an like proper and he's like, they're so Italian. proud Aww. of you. So I know you've shared this story before. I think it's really cool though. I've watched the the ad for like the um, so it was like an Italian phone commercial, like Omnitel or something. Yeah, I'm really um, I'm quite impressed that you managed to figure out that it was for a phone because you, barely a phone is to be seen. It feels in that very ad. FBI agent. It is a bit Bond girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and that was kind of. I guess a turning point in my career because prior to that I'd been doing okay, just sort of jobs here and there in Sydney. I was um, 22 at the time Mm. and I was thinking about giving up because it was kind of, especially back then, I mean, I'd been modelling for five years and I was kind of almost at my expiry date as a model. Isn't it crazy to think that though? Yeah, because you're, you're such a baby at 22. Yeah, yeah. But usually, I mean, I think people are a little bit more open to models working longer now. But back then it was kind of like if you got to your mid-20s and you hadn't kind of made it in terms of within the industry or household name, mm. the chances were that you weren't going to. So mm. um, I guess for me to get that job, it really not only – um, allowed me to work in the Italian market overseas, which I'd never done, mm. and then springboarded into a lot of other areas. But it had a ripple effect where I then got noticed back home. Mm. And so then I got a lot of work back home, which I'd been hanging for, but mm. it was, wasn't was quite happening. So that particular commercial and that job, really, if I hadn't have done that, a lot of other stuff wouldn't have happened. Oh, and is it true, like, so you did the job mm. and you kind of, you didn't know, you were just like, okay, I'm going to go do this job in Italy and then there's like helicopters on set. Well, we shot it in Sydney. Oh. We shot it in Sydney, yeah. So they cast for it in Sydney yeah. where I used to live. Yeah. So the Italians were coming out to shoot it there because they had an Australian director and he Got wanted it. to shoot in Sydney. Got so it. I never went to Italy initially. I just shot it in Sydney and then it aired about a month later in, in Italy um, and there was just a big, huge, and they wanted to come and see about it. And they you. wanted me to go over there. And the client said, "Let's said to my manager, we want to bring her out because everyone wants to meet her." And I just thought, "This is not this is not what normally happens." This is we- I didn't even think I'd see the light. The commercial would see the light of day. Like I never thought I'd yeah, see it, let yeah. alone be flown to Italy. So then they flew me to Italy and did this press tour and um, appearances, and it was just bananas like so you're 22 23 this stage yeah yeah and there was like people following you paparazzi there's people waiting outside my hotel to to for me to sign their like an autograph or sign photos and then there were paps trying to get photos of me and there was I had security and it was just it was it was bizarre because I went from barely being able to get a job Mm. to then being just this celebrity in totally another country embraced. that I'd never been to. So it was it was to get my head around it was quite a, a, a task. And as my, I feel like when I research you, I'm like you've had so much success. But even though we are talking about the more the lessons or the like trickier moments, mm. I could imagine that would have brought up a tricky time because you've kind oh of like. Oh my god. You're like, shit, like I better know who I am by now. Like, you know, it's kind of scary. And then were people trying to take advantage of you? A hundred percent. At every turn. And you, you're right, when you know, when you're 23, you, I mean, you're a young adult, but you're still figuring stuff out. And <laughs> I'm still figuring stuff out, yeah. you know, 44. <laughs> then um, it's, it, was a, it was a funny time because I was also 
in a foreign country by myself. Mm. I didn't really understand the language. So I, as much as I was, I had my wits about me, mm. they were kind of um, compromised in a sense because I was not in my normal environment yeah. and not around my normal people. So I had everyone wanting to wanting a piece of me. So I remember that first trip I went over there, I went to a photo shoot that the client had set up. <clears throat> And I wasn't sure what it was for. Like mm. everything was all just happening so thick and fast. Mm. And, of course, when you haven't had work, you're kind of just jumping at the opportunity to totally. kind of make hay while the sun shines without making stupid decisions. But but still, and, you know, you've got this new client that you want to impress. And anyway, they set up this photo shoot with this magazine, which I didn't realise until I was kind of there in hair and makeup and dressed ready to go. It was for a men's mag. And I thought, well, that's okay. That's, you know. Yeah. Depend, mm. let's just see how this rolls out. Mm. But anyway, the photographer kept trying to get me to get my top off, mm. like nude. And I'd never done anything like that before. Yeah. And I was just like, and, you know, you think with a communication barrier as yeah. well. And I was just, and I stood my guns. And, but so you said no, was, no dice? Yeah, but yeah. no dice. But he just kept going and he, he was getting visibly angry with me because I wouldn't do it. But over in Italy, like the Europeans, they're pretty relaxed about nudity. Yeah, Girls course. are taking tops off left, right and centre. Yeah. But in Australia, that's not just no. run of the mill. Like no, it's a big no. deal if you're doing it and there's a lot of discussions beforehand mm. and a lot of discretion on set and, you know, totally. privacy clauses totally. and all of that. Whereas he was just expecting me to just get them out. So what did you tell your – because you said the client and organiser. So what the client you? was that – luckily I had someone from the um, – from the ad agency with mm. me and she was lovely. She was like a mum of two, thank okay. God. I wasn't yeah. just lumped with someone who didn't understand my position and she was um, – I, st- I ended up crying like because mm. I just felt really kind of bullied and backed yeah. into a corner and made to feel bad because I wasn't getting naked and I couldn't understand anything. I was trying to sort of figure it out with the broken language. And she ended up saying – that's okay. Look, you don't have to do anything you don't feel comfortable doing. We want you to feel comfortable. So let's just, let's just, I think we had barely gotten through like two shots and we were meant to do like eight or something. And I just ended up getting like taken off set and she took me to her house and gave me ice cream and it was really sweet. (laughs) Ice cream cures all. It really does. It was really sweet. Um, But yeah, that was, I guess, my first lesson of, okay, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm swimming with some sharks and, you know, even after that, there were like offers and, you know, all sorts of amazing contracts being put in front of me, but there were all sorts of, you know, all the contracts were in Italian and yeah, I had to kind of, f- yeah, figure a lot of stuff out very fast. Man. So that taught me like just to be very um, wary, I guess, and and just sort of dot every I and cross every T as best I could. I like that you said as well, made you aware that there were sharks. That's one mm-hmm. thing I say like when people talk about, like, I think this industry, as wonderful as it is, you know, media, you're an actor as well, modelling, all that, like as wonderful and as hey, there's so much opportunity that comes, there's Correct. a lot of sharks in that industry. Absolutely. Anything in the entertainment industry, yeah. I think music, film, modelling, totally. TV, like there's, um, I don't know what it is about it, but there is a little bit of um, there's the there's the potential for you to be taken advantage of. Totally. Yeah. How lucky you learnt that at a pretty young age though. Yeah. Because you've fostered such a successful but a humongous career mm. since then mm. and like learning that pretty early on. It doesn't protect you though. Really? No. Still lots of things. You can, 
I mean, I've I've had lots of situations even in recent years where um, I won't sort of name names mm. or name specifics but mm. where I've still been taken advantage of even after all these years and you're like, oh, my God, like I've been so – like as you, as you go through each time where something happens where you're like, oh, I can't believe this person has done this or I can't believe this person is trying – to pull a fast one on me and I can't, you you, you start to learn to get a business advisor, yeah. I mean, your manager across it, you get um, a lawyer, you get all of these elements mm. to help secure some sense of comfort for you and it still happens because you know what, at the end of the day you can only safeguard and try and protect yourself to a certain point and at that point you've got to let go and trust. Totally. Because totally. if you don't let go and trust... You'll never experience anything. Yeah, totally. You'll never go down paths. You'll just stay still and you'll never evolve, mm. you'll never change and you'll never get the opportunity to explore that opportunity. So um, you can do everything you can but at the end of the day you've still, got to, you've still got to let go and trust someone and unfortunately my trust has been compromised a lot but I try and just, you know, take the half glass full approach and just totally. go, okay, what can I learn from this for next time? Well, I've seen a few interviews with you because I've had so much fun YouTubing you and Googling <laughs> oh you. Oh, God. And I watched a TV interview, I think it was like a Studio 10 interview or something, and you said making the space to say no. Mm. And I love that because yeah. there's so much power in saying no. When you know intuitively, I feel like you're quite an intuitive person. Uh. And just knowing... This opportunity looks really good, but there's something telling me that if I go, like, have you had to make a few, have you had to say a few no's? Oh, a ton of no's. I say no more than I say yes. Oh, great. Saying no is hard and, I, and I've gotten better at it over the years and mm. I feel like I've, and I find like, I find a lot of people find it hard to say no, not just professionally, but in their personal life. You don't want to say no because mm. you don't want to let people down because you don't want to disappoint them because, um, I don't know, you don't want to make people mad or whatever it is. Yeah. Or you're like, I want to say yes because if I don't, I might regret it. But even though something's telling me, we don't listen to our guts enough. I know. And I've learnt that and there's also a way you can say no that I think if you're honest and transparent and polite and mm. very passive about how you say no, if someone's going to get upset or ticked off, then that's their stuff. Totally. That's their stuff to deal with. Yeah. And if they're not going to respect that you're setting a boundary or putting something in place, then... There's nothing much you can do about that. Um, I've been having a conversation with one of my best friends about it. Mm. She finds it really hard to say no to people. Oh, she yeah. want to disappoint them and, oh, what are they going to think and what are they going to say? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's up to them to deal with how they're going to, you know, figure out how they can handle it. But with work, it is really hard because, um, but for me, it's always been, I think for the most part when I've said no, it's, it's ended up not being anything I've really regretted. No. And I've kind of... Um, yeah, I, I guess I've got a really good sense in my gut of whether to proceed with something or not. Yeah, well, so there's your intuition. And I yeah, reckon intuition exactly. is like bang on 99% of the time. Mm. I don't think it mucks around. I saw um, – I was scrolling Insta this morning mm. and I saw there's a motivational speaker called Gary V. Gary yeah, Van, right. okay. And he's quite – he's more masculine. So men love him, women not so much because he's quite – swears a lot and um, – just cut throat, and he, mm. and he, but he said there's a lot of power in not getting your value from what other people think of you. Mm. He said from someone that you love dearly, like your mom, yeah. to a stranger yeah. that might 
I'm sure you've had like trolls or someone say negative stuff about yeah. you, all that. I actually remember, and I think you tweeted this. This would be years ago, back in okay. the smoothie days. Okay. You were at a cafe. Smoothie days. I love that we <laughs> refer to them for a period of time. And you're having a little, a mm-hmm. little smoothie, a little, mm-hmm. um, looks like a berry smoothie. It's berries with almond milk and peanut butter and coconut. You didn't make it. It's not like I made no, her make me one for old. I know match milk. It is. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yum. Um, um, oh, shit. Where was I going with that You now? were going with um, something in turn, the power with not caring what other people think. Oh, and years ago in the smoothie day, yeah, something happened. In the smoothie day. So I would, I would, um, I've always followed you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were sitting at a cafe and you were yes. like, yeah, and you <laughs> heard girls going. on the next table picking me apart. Yes. Yeah. And they hadn't heard. And you were like, guys, what do I do? You were actually asking your mm. audience, should I say something? Mm. Do you want to tell that story? Yeah. So, and then that ended up actually spiraling into this kind of, polarizing opinion of what I'd done like some people are like well not everyone has to think you're great so anyway I'll tell the story for those of you who don't remember it so I was on the cover of who magazine with a few other lovely ladies and I think it was their who magazine like most beautiful issue or one of those one of those ones and um it had just come out and there was a story in the Herald Sun that was talking about me being in that and just some quotes from me from the article mm. from the magazine. And there were two ladies and they'd opened it up and they were looking at it and they were both just picking me apart negatively. Well, you know, things like, I don't think she's that great and she's not that beautiful and why is she in there? And anyway, it went on and on and on. Wow. It was relentless. And I sat there from an objective point mm. of view and thought, my first thing was, isn't it, I wasn't like, my God. They should think yeah. I'm beautiful. Yeah. What, what's going on here? It wasn't an in, indignant response from me. It was like, how unhealthy is it that women are sitting there picking other women apart? Oh. That's so not good. That's not part of the sisterhood. That's not part of what I live for. And I'm like a subject allowing that to happen. Mm. Um, what does one do? And, and what was quite unique about that situation is like I, I was like open-minded enough to know that a lot of people would pick up that magazine and just do it anyway. But I think to be experiencing it in, oh. like live. Oh, <laughs> Like happening. I don't know how you could have handled it. And I would have started crying. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, such a unique situation and I thought I would have mentioned this on Twitter. What would someone else do? Mm. And it's like, you know, if if – if my my daughter Rosie was in school and there were girls bitching about her, I'd want her to stand up for herself. Totally, I'd want her to totally. go, "Hey, hundred percent, don't have to like me, but calm down. Like mm. this, this is not really nice behaviour." And stand up for herself and be strong. And mm. there was something in me going, go over to them and talk to them and go, "Hey, this isn't cool." Yeah. Like, you know, I don't expect you to, you know, think I'm all that in a bag of potato chips. But by the same token. You're spending your time together having a go at me. Yeah. And I don't think that's healthy behaviour mm. and standing up for, for me. And anyway, I put it out there on Twitter and everyone was like, you totally have to go yeah, up and yeah, say yeah, something. Yeah, and people were like, I'd be ripping the newspaper. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 that's getting aggressive. <laughs> so anyway, I ended up talking to them and and they ended up contacting the newspaper, the girls, saying like, you know, how dare I pull them up no. and that they're more than entitled to their opinion and, like, defended themselves and then it sort of turned into oh, this story no. about how I couldn't handle negative criticism. Oh, I was like, mate. no, 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 that's not the point. The point was, like, why can't you just open that, read it and move on? Why should we be applauding these girls for picking another woman apart? And I just felt that that was just 
yeah, it, 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 it ended up being something that I suppose I, I don't, I don't so much regret doing it and I believe everything sort of happens to sort of teach us lessons or whatever, but I just feel like, you know, I don't know, maybe I could have handled it differently somehow but still done it. No, I, don't I think know. you were uh, See, for me, my mind, I think it's because I see a therapist, my mind goes to those women must not like themselves very much yeah. to be doing that about another human yeah. being that they actually don't know personally like mm. or any human being whatsoever. Mm. Um, that's what does where that my, say about them? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. where my, and I kind of feel empathy towards them that they're even in like they must not like themselves at all. Mm to be picking you apart. I'm presuming on just like things that are materialistic or not, you know, like yeah. what did they say when you went over? Were they nice? Oh, my God, it was so long ago now. I th- No, they weren't so much nice. They weren't mean. I think they were in, in a heap of shock. Yeah. Um, and they were just kind of just I think a bit gobsmacked that yeah. I was even there yeah. and that I heard them. And mm. But even just thinking about it again now because I haven't – thought about it since it happened and um I know I think just being such a public person and I do forget that sometimes and I think I want to speak up and be strong and um speak up for what I believe in that sometimes being a public person that can get me into a bit of trouble (laughs) in that I'm very outspoken and I like to to speak my mind but I think in time I've learned to not be scared of doing it but I oh, think mate. you've just got to think about how you do it. Like in hindsight back then I probably would have gone up and just, um, you know, made my presence known and yeah. maybe gone up to them and, and, I don't know, said something. I don't know, mate. I don't know. It's amazing know. you did, though. I, sort of I, I don't think you did it. it. I don't think you did anything wrong. I think the fact that they called the papers is also another reflection of them as yeah. well. So I think if anything it's a testament to your realness and just kind of like calling it how you see it. Yeah, yeah. But it was an interest. it was definitely an interest. it was one of those things where it's like, oh, my God, this is happening. Wild. This is what is actually happening. What do I've I do? I've heard other stories of people that have heard. Really? Themselves. Yeah. Okay. I heard a story of um, I think it was Ruby Rose was on a flight and there was a same thing, girls behind the row behind her reading a magazine and she got up, leant over the and like let the, ripped into them and let them have it. Said, so think about what you're doing. Yeah. You never know who's listening kind of thing. Yeah. And that sat down, but was was pretty like upset from what I've yeah, heard. So yeah. I mean, sounds like you were pretty chill and good, and you know, clear I do was about fairly it. contained. But yeah, it was a funny one. Um, this is probably kind of come at you like a curveball, but I'm so excited to ask you about movies. You were in the uh, Mad Max, yes, Fury Road, yeah, pretty much nudie. Very nudie. But you had long locks, like, looking on <laughs> Tell you about the hair. So, so first of all, before I even went to go and do the movie, that George Miller, the director, called me and he was like, okay, I just want to talk to you about one scene that <laughs> you might have seen, you're up on the tower. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he goes, yeah, so you're going to be nude in that. And I was like, ah, sorry, George. <laughs> we never discussed nudity. And he said, I know. And he said, and it might seem very random. And he said, I can assure you it's not nudity for nudity's sake. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're up there. Basically, your your kind of crew, your tribe of women, mm. they're very ruthless. They're hunter gatherers. Mm. They're um, sick. They'll movie. do what they'll do. Isn't yeah. it sick? Movie. Yeah. They'll do whatever they need to to survive. Yeah. And one of the things that these women do is they put you up there, nude, helpless, vulnerable, as mm. bait, so that when whoever it is comes along tries to rescue you they obviously have to leave their their vehicle or their yeah. whatever and then that's when they rush in yeah and loot 
yeah. and pillage and then you escape and that's yeah. what they do. So this is a trick that yeah, you do yeah. with the women. So I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So I agreed to it and he said, look, I'll make sure it's as close to set as mm. possible. You're going to be up on the tower. Um, you can wear like a very small G-string. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, what about the boobs? And he's like, okay, well, we can shoot around that. And I said, would you be open to me having – I said, I was thinking for the character anyway to ha- because she's not going to – the hairdressers every because it's like yeah. the apocalypse. Um that she would have this long mane of hair anyway yeah. that hasn't been cut for years. Yeah. It's all straggly. Yeah. Maybe we could use that hair to cover boobs. said boobs. Yeah. He was like, brilliant idea. So we had all my long hair extensions and everything. <laughs> of course, on the day, it was howling with wind. And I was trying to stick hair to my chest with double-sided tape which did not work at all because it was just just so freezing and windy and it just blew away. Oh so God. I was like, you know what, I'm just going to have to let this go, go and roll it. with it. And it ended up being fine. The cameras and the angles and everything, it was it was fine. But, um, yeah, pretty confronting though. Oh, but absolutely. Fun. Yeah, so what was it? So you like you're on a massive Hollywood movie, yeah. really. Like what's the calibre of that? Like what's it all? It's the best of the best, like in terms of the crew and um, directors and directors of photography and actors. And yeah, like it's the cast was pretty impressive. Pretty good. Um, and that so there's a bit of a backstory with that too. So once I, I met George Miller when he Wonder with Woman with Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. So he cast me as Wonder Woman and his film never got made. Which was, I saw the photos though. Yeah. You've that got was, to Google the photo. The, you look like that was my costume test. Like we were so close to doing it. Yeah. It was like a three picture deal. Like it would have been so. That would be so with DC. Sick. Would that be yeah, DC? Yeah. DC Comics. Yeah. You are like designed. From Wonder Woman. It would have been fun. But, um, yeah, it wasn't to be. But when Was that because of the writer's strike, It was because of the writer's strike. It was also because of, I think, during that time when we were going to make that film and then it got put on hold, Christopher Nolan ended up making Batman. Yeah. And then he, I think, had some – there were some issues between – because we were going to have Batman in our universe yeah. and it was going to be a different Batman, like an actor by the name of Army Hammer. So yeah. there was like going to be two Batmans floating yeah. around. And so yeah. it, it ended up getting very complicated and multiple reasons why it didn't happen. But when George kind of had to let everyone know, look, it's it's not happening, I'm really sorry, mm. he said to me, I still want to work with you one day and mm. um, I promise you that we will. And then he, not long after that, well, when he finished um, with, uh, Justice League ended up not happening. He threw himself into Fury Road. Ah. So it was years before it actually got made because he was going to shoot it out in the desert. The, um, got, yeah, in, in, in Australia. But then when it came time, so he was talking to me about a role in Fury Road. But then when it came to shoot, um, there'd been all this unprecedented rainfall and it was all like oh. wildflowers oh, and no. didn't look post apocalyptic yeah, totally. at all. So. <laughs> Then they kind of went back to the drawing board and then um, I think there was some casting issues around who was going to be Max and Furiosa and all of that. So then when they finally got it together and went to shoot, they chose Namibia. Oh, wow. So that's where I ended up <sighs> shooting. Was yeah. it so much fun doing like red car- You did red carpet in LA. Yeah. It Was it like so, so much fun? Yeah, it was, it was <gasps> so fun to be a part of it. It was so fun to be a part of the shoot. And go out um, and live in Namibia for a month. 
which was an yeah. unusual place to go, but very, very cool. And then um, there was, it took a long while, like post-production took a while. So we finished, well, I finished filming my part um, end of October 2012 and the film hit cinemas uh, May 2015. Yeah, wow. So wow. it was like a couple of years, two and a half years. And of, did you have to keep it quiet? Was it all embargoed? Um Sorry, just having a sip of water. Because I remember when I remember when you were posting about it when it was all like showtime, like it was it was out. It was yeah. I think um, it got out somehow that I was involved, so then I could talk about yeah. it. Yeah, but it was um, that was probably about eighteen months before it came out. I think so. Random question. Mm. You so I feel like acting and modeling quite two different ball games, although there's personas and things like that. How do you there's go? There's a like, bit of crossover. Yeah, but yeah. not much. How, how how do you go like from modeling as like your bread and butter, you know what I mean? That's yeah. what you've done for yeah. so long. And then you're like, well, hang on a sec, I'm gonna give acting a whirl and is that well, that scary? was the thing. I gave it a whirl, but I couldn't give it a whirl in the sense of packing up, moving to LA. Yeah. Um, camping out there and giving it a red hot go because I think I think for me because I did have an existing career mm. that was still going yeah and as we've spoke about earlier it took a while to get going mm. so I wasn't going to just abandon that to move and dedicate my whole move to another country and dedicate my whole life to this craft um, when I'd worked so yeah. long and hard to get that because. As everyone would know, moving over to Hollywood and you're competing with the best of the best. They say it's, it takes three years to break. Exactly. And Minimum. Yeah. And so I would be, you know, letting go of all this work and all this career that yeah. I built up to a point to try my hand at something that may or may not happen and and then sort of stall and then a little while. And then if it doesn't, then I've lost my momentum with my previous yeah. career. And then it was just too and much of a risk. And that does happen with Aussies. Like that, yeah. that's a common a common thing that you see or mm. hear of happening. One more movie thing while I can ask you. Yeah. I'm studying acting at the moment. That's why I'm like, I've got to oh ask her God, about. Great. Just for, I'm just following my heart at the moment. Yeah, I'm like, what's lighting me that. up? This is lighting me up. Beautiful. But I love it. You've also been to Cannes Film Festival. Yeah? I have. Several Twice? times. Oh, I think, uh, have I been three times? I think I've been three times. Is it all because through the times. ambassador of L'Oreal? Yeah, yeah. What is that like? Because I've seen like video footage of you on the red carpet and just like snap, 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 look yeah. like a glamour zone. That then... red carpet bit does not last that long. Really? So you're all timed out. Like it's it's the most insane red carpet you'll ever walk and it is um, – it's like I was shaking the first time I did it just out of adrenaline because oh, wow. the amount of media and like the world's media is there mm. and every sort of pap or, you know, entertainment photographer with a camera seems to be there. It's just flashing lights the whole time. Um, and you're all kind of staggered in terms of your appearance and yeah. usually all the L'Oreal girls would go together. Yeah. Um, and sort of go on the carpet together at the same time. And you literally have a spot that you stand on, you face both ways, and then oh, you move wow. along. It's like this little production line. But it's – and it lasts about, I don't know, less than five minutes. Wow. And yeah. then are you free to enjoy or do you, are you – Yeah, you can to go stuff? to films or you can go – then some people don't go to the films. Some people go and have drinks or wow. hop on a boat or do whatever they want. But my schedule there was always really, really hectic. So I would literally land – and then just do back-to-back interviews 
all day for like two or three days and photo shoots and just yeah. everything and then at the night time go to the red carpet and, and do all of that. So it was, yeah, getting like four or five hours sleep a night and, and just with jet lag and then you're basically on a plane back to Australia yeah, and watched, then doing press yeah, about what you've just done. done. So that's, yeah, it's a very busy week. Because I watched an interview of you on the project and you were like, yeah, I was there for 48 hours and mm. I was like, what? How are your eyeballs open right now? Yeah, yeah, it's mental. You sleep on the plane. Wow, <laughs> but it's crazy. Yeah, crazy, but crazy. So, but fun. A great experience. Really great experience. So, speaking of great experiences and something that you're so well known for as TV host. So, did you do Project Runway and Australia's Top Model? Yes, I did. Yeah. Which one did you co-produce? So I was. That was with uh, Project Runway Australia. Yeah. So my question is, is it confronting or hard to be like, I imagine being a TV host and being on and knowing your auto cue pretty well or mm-hmm. having an idea of what the, you know, the synopsis of the show is that night, yeah. being in hair and makeup for an hour plus before, whatever it is, yeah. making sure you feel good, look at all that stuff. And then on top of that, you're co-producing it. Yeah, so you get a really, um, the production companies are so so good at what they do. They're such a well-oiled machine. And so heading into starting the season, you've got kind of an, an overview of all of the contestants yep. that are on the show um, and a very good understanding of just the day-to-day runnings of the show. So you kind of – it doesn't really veer much from that. Like it's pretty much a cut and paste yeah, each okay. time. So I think where that kind of um, producing element comes in is in a lot of post – Okay. So when you're there on the day and you're filming, that's just a lot of me as host. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and you kind of got notes and stuff as a host anyway to say, okay, so this happened this week with this person mm-hmm. in the room and their dress just fell apart and they had to start, start from scratch. And so you're kind of you're getting across all of the, the bones of what's happened in any particular episode mm-hmm. and week as you go. And then when you go into editing and post-production, you've kind of got all of that still in the back of your head. So, um, yeah, and I have to say, like, it sounds very glamorous and like a very big responsibility, but there were, there were some very key, like, two or three executive producers that did the bulk of yeah. the work and I was kind of, I guess, <coughs> consulted with it. And um, But it's, do you know what I really love is, and the same with Top Model to a point, even though with Top Model I was a judge, but um, I really enjoy the mechanics of the back end of a show. Oh, yeah. And all that yeah, nitty-gritty. Well, it's, the ma- it's the almost the magic that makes for the creative that everyone's, you know, the actual yeah. content. Like I, I like love the, the pieces of the puzzles. Yeah. I like what's gone on and I like would get to set with Top Model and um, – just be on the judging panel, but I'd find, you know, track down some crew and go, what happened with so-and-so this yeah. week? And, you know, we left off for this last week. What's happening? Is she okay? What's going on? Especially with the young girls and modelling because I felt like a kind of a big sister to them. Yeah, of and course, of to kind of Those maternal instincts were kicking in with wanting to make sure they were okay. So I kind of liked sort of tracking what would happen week on week. Yeah, so it's that bigger picture, like a producer as well. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You've done love so, that. so much. So... That brings me to mum life. Yes. So two bambinos. Yes. River and Rosie. Mm-hmm. My um my biggest question for you is like seeing all this and all what we've already discussed, like how on earth do you find balance with like work, mm. family, but then also Megan? Like it's the hard. time. And balance is key for me. I'm one of those people that if I don't have balance, I go off kilter, like completely. Mm. 
Um, if I work too much and I don't have enough time with my kids or if I, you know, have so much time with my kids and my work but I haven't had time to get to yogs, as we love yes, to call it. Yes, yes. Go there. <laughs> or I haven't had time to be with my man, just one-on-one. Yeah. Like if, I, if, if it's off, then I feel it um, from an emotional and mental standpoint. So I really do constantly keep checking in and going, okay, what's my week look like? And I'm, I'm a stickler for schedules Me too. And what's routine. your star sign? Leo. I use, I'm a Virgo. Leo and Virgos yeah. get on really well. Yeah. But Virgos need the schedules. Yeah. Leos are fire. They are, but Leos. they need to be quite organised yeah. and they, they need to be quite, I'd say controlling, but not so much over other people, over their world. Yeah. Their moving parts. They yeah. need to control what's going on. Okay, what can I do here? What can I do there? Okay, what's, they, they don't just like leaving it up to the yeah. universe. Yeah. It's like, yes. <laughs> I believe in that, <laughs> but I want to trust in this too. Totally. <laughs> and then I'll let go. So That's what's what your, like. how do you catch yourself? Like say you're like, I haven't been to yogs for two weeks or we haven't had date night for ages. I'm, I've gotten really good at just, again, it's that intuition and just stopping and checking with myself, which this new business with Mindful Life mm. is a constant reminder for me to do that because I've been programmed over the years. Um, I was telling someone about this not long ago that with my old job and all these other things that we've been talking about that mm. I kind of don't do as much anymore but I used to do, like jumping on planes yeah. and, you know, being in front of TV cameras on a movie set, um, overseeing a swimwear line, all these different things requires you to just go, 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 go. And jump at the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, because I never had it when I was younger. So there was that kind of I've got to just like, well, I don't want to say yes to everything. All the things that I do want to say yes to, I want to do them. Yeah. And as the universe would have it, they often fall in at the same time. So I just would just go, 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 make hay while the sunshine. I can rest later. And I would do it at the detriment to my own health. Yeah. And so from that, though, as I've gotten a bit older and especially since being becoming a mum mm. where it's not about me anymore, mm. um, I have to check in with myself more. I have to listen to myself more so I can be the best mum I can be, the totally. best businesswoman, best partner, all of these things. Um, so it's kind of kept me on that track of um, reminding myself because this business constantly yeah. has this ethos behind it and this messaging, it constantly makes me check in, which is a great reminder. Yeah, because you want to live, breathe, walk yeah, the talk. absolutely. I have had so much fun researching your new business. So what I love Yes, the Mindful Life, the amazing skincare range for kids, super mm. gentle and natural, but the Mindful Life journal. The journal. That's new. And yesterday, just yesterday, you posted about breathing techniques. A breathing technique, yeah. For kids. Yeah. So it's nothing, um, I guess, groundbreaking or, or new. Um, I haven't reinvented the wheel, but it was just something that um, an article I wanted to share because, and as you would know, and anyone who does yoga would know that breath is so important. Mm. And I think we often, like even um, driving here this morning in traffic, I was like, I'm holding all this tension in my gut and mm. I'm breathing up in my chest. Mm. And I started to breathe into my belly and I instantly felt so like yeah. I dropped. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God. And I kept doing it. For some reason I kept tensing. I was yeah. like, why am I doing that? And when you're doing that, you're so present. And when you're present, you're aware. Totally. You're conscious. And it's so important. So... When kids have little meltdowns or they, they get upset over whatever it might be, they sort of do this breathing and crying thing where they start hyperventilating yeah. and trying to go, what happened? What's wrong? Mm. And they can't even like, <laughs> and it's like they can't even speak or they're trying to speak and yeah. you just cannot understand them. Mm. And I remember when he did it, when he was a toddler and 
And he was at a point where he could talk and he could understand me. And I was like, okay. And I was just thinking, I've got to get him to breathe into his mm. tummy and calm him down. It was almost like something that just clicked in me, this maternal instinct to just, okay, this is what you need to do. Look into my eyes yeah. and just breathe, breathe into my hands. And he calmed down so quickly mm. and um, and we could talk about it. And it's the same thing I use it if he's done something where he's been a bit naughty and I've mm. told him off and sent him to his room, which he hates because he hates me being mad at yeah. him, um, he'll start crying and yeah. I'll be like, you you go to your room and now he does it automatically. I say, go to your room, do your breathing mm. and then when you've calmed down, come to me and we'll talk about it. Because no one can reason with no, another no. person no. when it's losing their mind. Like, no, totally. We all totally. need to be calm to have a collective Pretty amazing. discussion. And he'll do it now. And now Rosie does it. So she's obviously not as advanced in it. Yeah. But she will, um, she got upset last night because she was, I told her to leave the cat alone and she wouldn't. And <laughs> the cat ended up having a swipe at her. Didn't okay. get her, but it shocked her. And yeah. it's the first time the cat's yeah. had a go at her. And it broke her heart. And she was mm. crying and she couldn't breathe properly. And I was like, sweetie, deep breaths, deep mm. breaths for mama. And she did it. And she sort of, she just dropped immediately. Yeah. And so, you know, these things with parenting, you've got to be very careful because you don't want to be like, I know all there is to know about parenting, listen to me. But I think when you've got something that's worked for you, it's good to share it because even if it, one person benefits and like, oh, that's great, then it's worth it. Totally. So you've got to trial these things and see how you go. Well, that's what I love about and I've spent a fair bit of time yesterday on the Mindful Life journal mm. and this idea that it's kind of like there's no real hard and fast rules. It's just a go-to guide. Correct. It's not a blog. So yeah, it's not a blog I wish at I all. could be as busy as a blogger because no. bloggers, as you know, oh, it's just like it's, it's hard. Full it's full on. And yeah, it's man. constant content. And I definitely also don't want to just sort of be throwing stuff at people where it becomes overwhelming. But by the same token, I think, you know, there's so much out there with um, – and this is part of the inspiration behind it. There's so many wonderful sources of information with health mm. and beauty and mm. um, fashion and um, and fitness. And I wanted to grow, similar to wanting to grow the space of natural and safe products for kids, yeah. I wanted to grow the mindfulness space. And that's for people who, whether they have kids or not, Everything that we will put up on the journal has this kind of undercurrent of mindfulness to it, whether totally. it's mindful of what you're eating, mindful of your yeah. time management, mindful of how you manage your business, mm. um, mindful of how you move your body or parenting or whatever it is. Um, so every now and then we'll pop something up yeah. and let everyone know it's there. And um, it's, it's got just... this really beautiful tone to it. It's like, oh, thank it's you. like, Health, well-being, mindfulness. Yeah. And then I went down the rabbit hole of looking all, looking at all your amazing products <laughs> and I just love that there's this. Do you know um, of Dak Shepherd and Kristen Bell? Yeah. And they've got a baby range together. Oh, okay. I did not know that. In America though. Yes, yes. Um, but their story is very similar. Like it's like we just wanted good quality products. I don't, you can't, mm. they're not here. It's, it's yeah. your Australia. You can, you have Australia. They can have. <laughs> um, but it's so nice to see it's coming from the source, like as in you're yep. a mama bear. Yeah. You know what's worked and what hasn't worked. Yep. You believe in it because you use it. And, again, it's that idea of like walking the talk and that's what Correct. I love about it. And even I was like, oh, man, like 
wonder if I can use this on me. And then the minute I see a little video of you going, the balm, you can use the balm on so many yes. different things. No, that's it too. And I think for me, um, when I had River, there was, I obviously wanted to be very conscious of what I was putting on his skin and there were some great brands out there. Yeah. But I thought there's not, I, I want to be spoilt for choice here. Yeah. And I want to be, um, I want to contribute to growing that space. Yeah. And so that's how it initially set out. But then I think with that whole message of mindfulness that came in, not just mindful of how I'm making the products and how the ingredients are sourced, yeah. but it was mindful of how they're being used, yeah. not rushing through bath time yeah. and not rushing through those beautiful moments when you're bonding, which you're often using these types of products. Yeah. And that kind of was where the name was born and why. I love it. I love it. So, um, and I was watching you on Insta the other day and I, you were like, guys, start up life. Oh, and you'd seen <laughs> someone had placed an order and yeah. I've got a, a product as well. And so you know what it's like if an order gets missed and you ch- track it on Australia Post, you track it and everything and you're like... Where has this order gone? And I hadn't had that in six months of yeah, I which heard is you probably say that. Parent, like I got a lot of great messages um, from some of my followers on Instagram who were like, "Oh my god, had that happen with my business?" And I was like, "Wow, I'm actually lucky. It's taken six months because apparently it's quite common that." Just there's like a gremlin or like a little glitch where it totally. just goes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's happened with me with books with wow. yeah, yeah. But my the thing that I loved about you, you were like, look, I've seen this person's in Melbourne, guys. I'm going to drive over and personally <laughs> be a weirdo. And go to her house. No, go I'm, to her house. Amazing. I was just like, whoa, you know, you, and that again is a testament to not just you, but also this product that you have created. And to me, it is more than a product; it's your heart that Thank you're sharing. You. So, it is. It's very personal for me. Oh, my goodness, we've got five minutes left together. Oh, okay. So my question is now is you, we did say this was about failure or, or lessons yes. and you were like, oh, I've had heaps of lessons, no <laughs> worry. Is there any that we haven't touched on that you're like, I did have this in mind, I wanted to chat about this thing? There's a few. I think the, the, there was a few that I had, so I'll try and sort of whiz through them without yeah. kind of um, <laughs> chopping out the essence of it. But I think... Going back to what we touched on, when I started out um, with modelling and it, it was a really hard slog for me. I mm. left my family and friends behind in Perth. Yeah. I went moved to Sydney from the age of 19 and I was very much a small fish in a big pond mm. and it took me a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of knockbacks to actually make it. And I think while you could say, oh, you failed for five years before you actually got somewhere, I think what that five years of not being successful taught me was resilience and persistence, Mm. which are two very um, big qualities, I think, of my personality that I think was born then and really got nurtured then because I I was like so tenacious, Mm. like a dog with a bone because I I knew in my gut and I knew in my bones that there was a something bigger out there for me and I just had to stick at it. And mm. I listened to that and it, I was unwavering with my commitment to that, um, which from the age of like say 18, 19 to 23, um, I think to have now I look back and I'm going like, wow, I was just a baby then. So to listen to myself um, and, and be quiet. You know, a lot of people going like my mum and my dad were like, no, we believe in you but should you be thinking about something else? It's yeah. been quite a few years and you're burning through money and yeah, you're you getting disheartened. Back home, oh, you I kept going money? back to Perth, kept yeah. going back to Perth, kept borrowing money off mum and dad. Oh, it was very yeah. um, soul-destroying. Yeah. <laughs> and they, I think from being parents, they were they were – I think, really over seeing me so disheartened. Yeah. 
Um, and I just kept saying, I, I can't explain it. I've just got to stick at it because I feel like it's coming. It's coming. Um, and it did. So it taught me to be really Tenacity, persistent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think another lesson I learned was with um, with my health and to really – I. I um, and this is before I started on Mindful Life and I think was one of the inspirations behind it of being m- more mindful and checking mm. in with myself on every level, whether it's my mental health, my I- immune health, my gut health, mm. um, aside from a lot of other areas. But I really burnt myself out in 2016 when I was doing Top Model and now I had, mm. the, I had the most gruelling schedule. I was flying back and back and forth. I was pregnant at the time too, which ended up miscarrying. I was mm. sick for most of that whole shoot and um, I really just, I didn't say no enough and I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself and it had very bad um, repercussions from a health perspective. Totally. So that taught me to check in with myself more. I could have definitely done things to, I'm a doer yeah. and I like to do things yeah. myself and I find it very hard sometimes to delegate mm. um, and I forget that I can. And so that taught me to take my load off a lot more. Still still be busy if you have to, if you've committed to something and you're contracted, you have to do it. But then try and navigate around that so you can reduce your load. Totally. Don't feel bad about it. So I really learnt from, you know, falling down in a heap that I could have done it differently and done it better. I think also uh, miscarriage is crazy, dude. Like, yeah, I mean, as is. far as like the pain, the grief, all of that, to be able to also emotionally compartment not compartmentalized but you're in the middle of that a big shoot you're going through a massive loss a part of you mm-hmm. and then understanding letting go of that and then going okay and and having to keep it to yourself because oh it's so God. private and yeah. you're a public person and you just want to just you know deal with it first before oh, it's really sort hard. of yeah it was but it it taught me a lot and I guess the one last thing was I've learned through, and again, we touched on it a bit earlier about listening to listening to my gut more, yeah. especially when it comes to business. Yeah, and um, even if you can, I think, put all those parameters and all those elements in place to safeguard yourself. Still, just sometimes there's been times where I didn't listen to my gut. Where there's some warning bells where I've been pretty good with it, but there were some warning bells that I. I didn't listen to because I thought, oh, you're not being trusting enough. You've yeah. got to trust and let go. Not everyone's out to get you. Not everyone's yeah. out to pull a fast one on you. Mm. But but sometimes, and it's really hard, it's really hard to separate what's your gut and what's intuition and what's just fear. Yeah, totally. They're, they're, it's a very blurry line. Also, though, I think from a business perspective, you're like the beautiful, pretty, lovely girl from Australia. Do you know what I mean? You've got this like nice like part of your whole personality is this lovely person. Mm. So people are going to be like, ah, sharky with that and go, oh, yeah. she's going to do whatever we need yeah. at this rate and we'll yeah. take whatever we can from that and she'll be yeah. chill with it because she's just a really pretty nice person. Because she's chill, yeah. yeah. No, not so. <laughs> not so, so chill. <laughs> but, um, yeah, oh, they're man. probably my main, main I love sort it. of lessons. I could have talked to you for ages. I know, and I know. You are so unreal. Anyone listening to this, check out Mindful Life Journal and Mindful Life, the, the mindfullife.com. Well. Yeah. yeah, you can and, find it there. And you're the best. So Thank you. I'm all the best. You've been on my wish list for so long. So it's such an honor to have you here. And it's actually just such a, you're a very joyful person. Thank you, darling. So are you. It's easy oh. when it's you. Big love. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you. Bye. Bye. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. 
I'm at Yummo Lola Berry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Spread the love.